0: So, Mark. Yeah. I'm thinking seriously about what we talked about last week about ending our DreamWorks pledge. Oh, no. I just, like, on the one hand, I think that our honor is all we have. Okay. But on the other hand, like, how much do we want to watch over the hedge? I forgot about that one. Or The Croods. You keep bringing up these
1: movies I'd forgotten about before we made this pledge, and it's really kicking me in the ass.
0: These movies all exist. The I, Croods. I, Nicolas Cage is a caveman. Oh my god. This reminder is painful. And then, like, there's a lot of Madagascar movies.
1: There's two more, right?
0: And also the Penguins movie.
1: They had a movie, too? Apparently. I knew they had a TV show. They were the best part of Madagascar, so it yep, makes sense. movie came
0: out in 2014. Takes place right after the events of Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted.
1: That's the one with the circus. I haven't seen it, but I know that there is a circus at some point in that movie.
0: I've only seen the first one. Why are we watching these movies? I don't know. What have we done? This feels exactly like a thing you would decide. I know, this was obviously my idea, but you're supposed to keep me from doing that.
1: (laughs) I mean, sometimes I try and it just doesn't work, so sometimes I give up trying.
0: But what would have happened if the people in this movie had given up?
1: racism would have continued forever.
0: Exactly. So you shouldn't have given up and allowed this DreamWorks madness to continue forever.
1: Oh, no. that The moral equivalency there is not equal. You're
0: the racist in this parallel.
1: Oh, God. You need to, uh... We should walk that one back. <laughs> this got real hot real quick.
0: <laughs> real fast. You know, I don't regret it. I want to take a firm stand on this. I'm sick of watching these movies. <laughs> It's so exhausting. We haven't watched one in so long. It hasn't been long enough.
1: (laughs) I know our episode came out more recently, but we really haven't watched any of these DreamWorks movies. Since, like, early December. Uh, yeah, almost two months.
0: Not long enough.
1: Will is fully broken, though. I know, I can't. I can't. I won't do it. I mean, I don't care. You know you're the one who cares.
0: We'll see. I don't want to do it.
1: Okay, let's not do it. I am much less committed to things than you are.
0: Okay, whatever. Let's move on.
1: Okay. Welcome to We Love the Love.
0: I feel welcome. A Hollywood romance podcast.
1: I'm Mark, and I'm gay.
0: And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This, of course, is a investigative podcast where we delve deep into the most pressing questions of our day, the most important ones. They're so important that we should set aside DreamWorks movies with no romance. And instead focus on our actual mission, which is to ask the question and hopefully answer it. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is the main plot, or a one-scene flirtation, or apparently some bad thing DreamWorks threw in, or in the case of Madagascar, didn't throw in. We'll dig in and we'll see what's there. It's our sacred mission. It's our solemn vow. We will do whatever it takes to answer that question. Unless, maybe... That involves watching all these DreamWorks movies.
1: <laughs> we might have found our line. <laughs> we might have found it. We'll see. So this week, we're talking about a movie from 1967 that you've probably heard of, even if you haven't seen it. It's so good. It's so good. It's Katharine Hepburn's last Oscar-winning role, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner.
0: Yay! This movie's so good. It's directed by Stanley Kramer, who had done things like Inherit the Wind, Judgment at Nuremberg, It's a Mad, Bad, Mad, Bad World. A number of those also starred Spencer Tracy who is in this movie in his last film appearance, and like very last film appearance. Yeah,
1: like didn't make it to the opening.
0: He died 17 days after they finished filming.
1: Yeah, it's very sad.
0: And it, by all accounts, was kind of a rough shoot for him. Yeah. He only filmed for about three hours every day from 9 a.m. to noon. And in a lot of scenes where people are having conversations with him, when there are close-ups on them or shots of groups that he's not in, he's not there.
1: Yeah, I read in the booklet...
0: Yeah, I got this really nice 50th anniversary Blu-ray of it that has an excellent booklet with a bunch of production photos and a nice essay by the head of the African American Film Critics Association.
1: I didn't get to that part yet. I been meaning to. But I will say that there is a nice description of how this movie wouldn't have been possible without Katherine Hepburn there to care for him because they were still together at the time. So he was able to have like someone actually around who really loved him and was willing to put in the work and she cared for him. And it's very sweet.
0: And put in the money because Spencer Tracy couldn't get insured for the movie. Yeah. So the only reason that the movie was able to be insured was because Katherine Hepburn and Stanley Kramer put up their salaries as collateral so that Spencer Tracy could be in it.
1: And watching the movie, you can't really tell.
0: I would say the only time that I kind of feel it is in the scenes where he's driving around, he looks not great. Yeah. In those scenes. When he's not wearing his glasses and right. you can really see his whole face, you can get the sense that this is a guy who's not doing amazingly well. Yeah, but he's for still most part, it, it a
1: very good actor. He's still Spencer Tracy being <laughs> yeah. awesome. But for the most part, you can't really tell as much and it doesn't like dominate the film. You don't notice it. No, not at all. He's very good. Everyone is good in this movie.
0: Everyone's great in this movie.
1: Sidney Poitier is amazing. He's incredible.
0: So for those of you who don't know, we'll get into this obviously, but guess who's coming to dinner? It is the story of two young people, Sidney Poitier and Catherine Houghton, who arrive at Catherine Houghton's parents' home as a surprise interracial couple, and the families of these two young people are are reckoning with that in 1967.
1: And what makes it interesting is she's not worried at all. She doesn't feel uncomfortable bringing her new fiance home.
0: Her attitude is like, I'm excited for you to meet my family. Whereas John Sidney Poitier's character is like, we need to make sure they're cool with this.
1: Right. But Joey was raised by her parents who are rich San Francisco liberals. Her dad
0: owns a newspaper and it's like always publishing very liberal editorials, including on race.
1: Right. So she was raised being told there's no difference between the races. Everyone is equal. Wait supremacy is dumb and so she's fully internalized this and assumes that her parents actually will believe what they've been telling her so when she brings john home she thinks it's a non-issue like oh my parents have told me our whole lives like white supremacy is comes from either a place of fear or ignorance but in either case it's wrong so obviously my parents will be okay with it but surprise not really yeah they have a hard
0: time with it which is kind of cool so i think one of the things that in a lesser movie would be a challenge is that john is such a model minority right like he's polite he's respectful he's a doctor with like degrees from top universities his job is purely altruistic
1: he was the like deputy director of the world health organization at one point and he's only 37
0: and he goes around in like sub-saharan africa running like crash course medical schools so that people who live there can give medical treatment to their communities. He graduated from Yale. He's been working as a professor in medicine. So like incredibly unobjectionable, incredible example of a model minority, but that's also kind of the point. Right. The point is that there is no reasonable objection. In theory, we'll get into this, but no reasonable objection someone could have to him as a person Except for his race, right? And so, in most movies, you'd hear all that, and you'd just be
1: like, "Oh, like, oh, so annoying!" Like, this why is can't it day- be a real person? Right? Why can't it be a real person? But in this, they are elevating everything: her parents' liberalism, their wealth, his stature in society, to the point where it has to be about race, and it can't be about anything else, and they can't rationally draw up explanations to write off the relationship, which then forces her parents to confront their ideas about race as well.
0: Which winds up working really, really well.
1: Right. It's the only movie where I felt fully justified doing a ridiculous example of the model minority. Because it's a deliberate choice. It is. They're not
0: doing it out of ignorance or like, wouldn't it be great if we had an upstanding black gentleman?
1: Right. The director is doing it like kind of to
0: stick it to the white audience.
1: Yeah, and to just show how it's beyond human. He is raised to a superhuman level to the point of excess, so you know it must be a choice.
0: And it's also worth keeping in mind the context in which this movie comes out. It's 1967. This comes out in November. In June of that year, the Supreme Court releases its decision in Loving versus Virginia. So at the time this movie was in development, interracial marriage was illegal in 16 states. By the time it comes out, it's not anymore... But it's still a very recent decision and a very controversial one.
1: Yeah, and it's set in San Francisco in 1967. So when this was in production, it was on the verge of the Summer of Love starting in San Francisco.
0: So this is coming out amidst this... It's one of those things where a movie can't be a reaction to stuff that's going on in the culture, but feels like it is. Yeah. Because they're picking up on something unconscious in the zeitgeist. That then, with the timing of its release, it winds up being representative of these phenomena.
1: They sense the change is in the air more so than they're reacting to the change. Right. And it just happened to, like, break all at the same time.
0: And it's worth noting, this movie is a huge hit. Oh, yeah. Like, it made $56 million unadjusted. That's insane. This is, like crazy amounts of money.
1: And it played internationally, too.
0: Yeah, it played really well internationally. It actually played solidly in parts of the United States where they had not expected it to do well.
1: Right. It was definitely a phenomenon of a movie. And it, I mean, it doesn't hurt to have Katherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. And Sydney Poitier. And Sydney Poitier as the leads of your movie.
0: Because they're all excellent in it. Katherine Hepburn won an Oscar for it.
1: Right. Spencer Tracy was nominated, I believe.
0: Yeah, the movie's nominated for 10 Oscars in total. It wins for original screenplay and for best actress for Katherine Hepburn. They also get nominations for best picture, best director for Stanley Kramer. Best Actor for Spencer Tracy, Supporting Actor and Actress for Cecil Calloway and Bea Richards, who play Sidney Poitier's parents, which I think are cool nominations.
1: Yeah. Weird that Sidney Poitier doesn't get a nomination. It is
0: weird. He already had an Oscar at this point. He did. But it is weird that he's not nominated for this because he's great in it. Yeah. It also gets Oscar nominations for Art Direction, Editing, and Score. Score is probably the weirdest one there.
1: Yeah. I didn't really think about the score There are a couple of times
0: where it's got like a good like bopping beat going on, like when they're at the car hop and when the meat delivery guy shows up. Right. There's some fun music there, but there's not a whole lot of music in the movie.
1: Yeah. That was a weird scene that I love The loved. delivery guy? Yeah. It's
0: very strange. It's completely out of character with the rest of the movie. The only thing it gives us is it shows us another example of interracial flirting.
1: Right. It shows that in the younger generation it's less of a thing.
0: Right, because we see Tilly not being a fan of that
1: Right, Tilly's not approving. So Tilly is their maid that helped raise Joey, who is probably the most disapproving of the relationship of anyone in the film.
0: Yeah, Tilly is really not a fan. Yeah, she has a line in it. This, by the way, is Tilly played by Isabel Sanford, who was most famous for her role as Wheezy Jefferson on The Jeffersons.
1: So when she's talking to Joey about john and why she's objecting to it she says basically like i don't want to see a member of my own race getting above himself so she's very much in the mindset of like this will almost throw us backwards
0: right stay in your lane don't try to upset things too much
1: then everything will get worse for us if you try and get above yourself
0: you don't want to provoke a negative reaction
1: correct so Tilly is the most upset. She hates John. She thinks he's a scam artist also.
0: Right. She's like, uh, what kind of doctor are you supposed to be? Yeah.
1: She's all, she has as much trouble believing that a black man is a doctor as the white parents do. But to get a general sense of the full plot of this movie, like to give a rundown, because you know, the romance, we'll get into it. Yeah, it's is a little weird, weird. It's a
0: movie that's all about a romance, but the romance itself is kind of static in it. John and Joey walk in, knowing how they feel, and pretty much feel the same for the entire movie.
1: Right. So the plot of it is, it starts with a plane. So Joey and John are stopping in San Francisco for one night for John to meet her parents before they fly to New York and then to Geneva to get married. While they're at her parents' house, they're looking for approval, but John's parents decide to fly up from LA for the night to get dinner with the girl's parents, But they don't know she's white. And before they meet John, Joey's parents don't know that he's black. And then all of a sudden, all six of these people have to face
0: their real feelings as opposed to the ones that they necessarily would express.
1: Right. So they all have to get to know each other, come to terms with it, and then as the credits roll, they finally sit down to dinner. There right. is no dinner consumed in this movie. I was
0: going to say there's no eating, but they do eat some sandwiches when John and Joey first arrive. <laughs>
1: yeah, there is a bit of snacking and done. And the ice cream. And the ice cream.
0: Spencer Tracy has some boysenberry sherbet.
1: Fresh Oregon boysenberry sherbet. <laughs>
0: this is one of the best jokes in the movie is when Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn go to the ice cream place and the car hop comes up and Spencer Tracy's like the last time I was here I had something and I really liked it but I don't remember what it was and she's like so do you want chocolate and he goes no you know what it was
1: I know it's the most like classic old man. man
0: I was getting strong Alexa silver vibes
1: yeah it was very much like he was getting mad at her for not knowing what ice cream he liked
0: and then first he gets it and he starts to taste and he like honks the horn he's like this isn't it and then when she comes over, he's like, this isn't what I had, but I like this. Remember this next time I'm here. And what's great is the performance by the car hop isn't like a, gee, sure, mister. It's a like, whatever. kind Yeah. Of it,
1: she is just like, I don't care about you. <laughs> She's so I will not remember. Adore. And they're at a Mel's drive-in, which is still like, they still exist in San Francisco. Right. So I immediately texted Nick. I was just like, Nick, they're at a Mel's. I was texting him a lot about how San Francisco this movie is. It's great.
0: I love this movie.
1: It was so good. So... That's kind of the um, full rundown of the plot, but now we can start diving into the points.
0: Yeah, whenever we are discussing a movie, we break the romance down into the five points that best describe the romance so we can walk through it. We're doing things a little bit differently today. We're going to go through the actual chronology of their relationship rather than going through the plot of the movie in a linear fashion because John and Joey enter the movie already together, but we learn a lot of backstory. We Literally learn some- too backstory about their relationship and it's not that that's like hidden information that's revealed in a dramatic way it's just that when they have the opportunity to tell people they tell them right the idea is for everyone to be on the same page so we're gonna take that perspective as well right so point number one john wade prentice great name great name is as we've said a doctor who does great work for the world health organization he's been a professor and he's giving a lecture at the university of hawaii at a conference Joey, Drayton, is also in Hawaii. I guess
1: she's supposed to be on vacation, but also she decides to go to a a lecture at the University of Hawaii.
0: We don't know what her job or educational background is. I thought maybe she was at the conference, and that would explain why she was there alone.
1: Yeah, but she's 23.
0: Right, she's 23. John is 37.
1: All we know about why she's in Hawaii is that she was in Hawaii.
0: Right, we never find (laughs) out any more than that. And she leaves early. Right, so they're... At this conference, she heard him speak. They meet at some event.
1: I mean, maybe she's at the University of Hawaii as a student.
0: Potentially. And they fall in love, we are told, in 20 minutes.
1: Yes. We get the story. She's looking at the view of the beach from a terrace at night. She's so focused on the view, she doesn't notice him until he moves, and then he startles her. And then they just start talking, and after 20 minutes, they're in love. And
0: they spend as much time as possible together. For the rest of their time in Hawaii.
1: Which is 10 days.
0: Right. So they spend 10 days together all the time. We know that they don't have sex. Because. John doesn't want to. Right. Catherine Hepburn. Uh, Christina Drayton. Asks. In a <laughs> roundabout way. Yeah. If they have. And Joey basically says. Uh, no. And it's because of him. Yeah.
1: It was really funny. Joey's
0: like really clear. Like. I wanted to get down in Hawaii. I know. <laughs>
1: Joey's just fully. We we're gonna
0: have beach sex.
1: Joey is a person from San Francisco. In 1967.
0: She's like, I wanted to go. And John was just like, this is still a weird situation. I don't want to do anything that's going to like potentially hurt you.
1: Right. We also find out that John was previously married and had a son who eight years before died in a train accident in Belgium.
0: Son and wife. Yes,
1: son and wife both did. So again, you get the brief moment of... Oh, he has a wife? Nope, she's been dead for eight years. Tragic figure, adding another layer of his goodness to him.
0: Right, exactly. (laughs) So then, in the course of these ten days, spending all this time together, they decide to get married.
1: Yes. So, he has to get to Geneva.
0: He's got, like, a three-month residency there coming up.
1: Yeah, something probably through the WHO.
0: Yeah. So, what they decide to do is, all right, we're going to get married on our way through. Fly from Hawaii to San Francisco say hey to my parents, then John will go ahead to New York and then on to Geneva, and Joey will follow about a week later. Right. Which then that's what they do. The movie picks up with them just having landed in San Francisco. Right.
1: We we open on their flight.
0: I really like this montage of them coming off the plane. Oh, I
1: wrote this down too. It's
0: all dialogue free, but we get the sense of this like fun relationship of people who are like really in love and excited about it where they're laughing, they're joking around with each other, she's leaning on him, and there are no words here. We see him having so much fun, which we don't really get to see in the rest of the movie. Yeah. Because there's the conflict of the guest who's coming to dinner of it all. So it's really cool that we have this basis early on to see what they are like together, even if we don't get any words out of it.
1: Yeah, you get a full understanding of their relationship, how happy they are, how much they like each other, without any dialogue and it's all you need to know before you go in. You the don't need where, like, even the they're like making
0: out in the cab. <laughs> yeah. The cab driver, not a fan.
1: No. Great opening to a movie, except for all of the typefaces garbage.
0: (laughs) Did you notice that too? It's not amazing. It didn't make me angry.
1: The amount of like- I've
0: seen movies with worse typefaces. Yes,
1: there are movies with worse. But it just came up in weird orders, and they had a lot of slashes, like unnecessarily, where it'd be like unit production designer backslash guy's name.
0: Yeah, there are some interesting- Typology choice,
1: Yeah. And so I was just distracted I by that. Is the right word there. Yeah, Who knows? But that did get a little distracting. But yeah, we get everything we need to know. They stop in the cab from the airport to oh, Christina's. Oh, they stop at the art gallery. Where art Christina's. gallery. They are making out in the rearview mirror. And that's the first full, like, these people
0: are dating.
1: It is not just, you know, casual friendship between a black man and a white girl. It's like, they are in love.
0: Yes, very much so. And so point number two then. Joey short for Joanna, brings John home. Yes. And so first they meet Tilly, but then they meet Catherine Hepburn and then Spencer Tracy as well.
1: Also, at this point, I realized I had no idea, like, who knew what? And the answer is...
0: Nobody knows anything. Nobody knows anything. Nobody knew that Joey was coming home because she'd come home early. They sure as crap didn't know that she was coming home with a man. They definitely didn't know she was engaged to this man. And they didn't know he was black.
1: Yes. So they show up and Tilly's the only person there to greet them. But also Tilly's really mad. And by the end of the movie, I do feel like part of that anger might be all of a sudden Tilly was supposed to be cooking for two and now she has to feed six people. I
0: like how it steadily increases. It ends up being seven because oh, and Orion is there. Yeah. But so originally she's making dinner for Christina and Matt.
1: Right. A normal normal night at home.
0: Then we add two more.
1: Yeah. Then we add two more. No, then we add one more.
0: Right, then we add Monsignor Ryan.
1: Right, and no,
0: no, he doesn't jump. Come in until after.
1: Oh, right.
0: After yeah, John's the, parents. The apprentices are coming because he makes the joke about like, oh yeah, you need me, so you outnumber the blacks.
1: Right. I Monsignor like how little is time. Great.
0: I like how little time Monsignor Ryan has for. Spencer Tracy's ambivalence about what to do.
1: Yeah, he is excellent.
0: He's like having such a blast. He's like, I always knew behind your like radical progressive, there was a reactionary lurking.
1: Yeah, when he calls him out on that, I do love that um, Matt's response is you pontificating old poop.
0: It's a great line. It's a great line. We should start using that.
1: Yeah, they have a lot Wait, of... Heck,
0: we could start describing our poops that way. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I had a real pontificator the, the other day.
1: No. But honestly, I was, like, surprised by how accepting the priest was.
0: I like it a lot. We also... We get some signals that tell us exactly what kind of priest he is. Yeah. He tells us that he He's a Jesuit. An, right. And he tells us that he read an article about John in Commonweal. And Commonweal is a huge signal. If you I know. Can, I heard that. Commonweal is the... It's... In part a literary review, there's a lot of poetry in it, book reviews and stuff like that. But there are also essays about current events. And Commonweal is the Catholic magazine for people who think that America isn't liberal enough. Right. Like, it's the left wing of the mainstream Catholic magazines.
1: Yeah, so you definitely get the sense of who he is from that one reference. I like
0: Monsignor Ryan a lot. I did too. He's probably an
1: alcoholic. Oh, well, he's a... <laughs> <laughs> he's an Irish Catholic an Irish priest. an Irish
0: Catholic priest. <laughs> So in the midst of all this, Joey is talking to Christina, her mom, about all their backstory. She tells them about having met, fallen in love in twenty minutes. Meanwhile, John goes into Spencer Tracy's office to oh. call up his parents.
1: Yeah, so we didn't actually get to uh, Christina first coming home. Right. So
0: John has gone into the
1: office to call his parents, and Christina comes home, and Joey Spencer Tracy has a giant portrait of FDR on his desk again, again signaling exactly. Kind of yeah. So while John is in the office. Joey's sitting down telling her mom, like, oh, I've met this guy in Hawaii. I'm so excited for you to meet him. He's so perfect. Blah, 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 blah. He's and- a
0: doctor. He was married. It was very sad. Yeah.
1: And Christine is looking more and more excited. Like, All
0: right. Cool. Until- oh, uh, Well, also, there's a thing where there's a red herring to the audience where yeah. Joey is like, there's something I need to tell you. And the thing is that he was married previously.
1: <laughs> right. And so while Joey is talking, you actually see John open the door
0: in the back. But before this, he's called his parents, right? Yes. So he calls his parents and... He's like, hey, I met this girl in Hawaii, and we're going to get married. And they're like, what? But they're also kind of excited. John does not tell them that Joey is white. At one point, John's dad asks how old Joey is. This is when we find out how old John is, because John's dad goes, she's 23, you're 37. That's just the right difference. Women age faster than men.
1: It's so ridiculous.
0: (laughs) I love that line as exposition. It's like, okay, all right. Just a slight 14 years.
1: Yeah. It was very odd how like that was shoehorned thing? in. <laughs> no, it is not a <laughs> Could thing. We make it a thing? No.
0: Like, just wait a fortnight. That would be what two happens. years. Would it?
1: A fortnight is two weeks. I guess.
0: But it's short for 14 nights, right?
1: Oh, I never thought about it that way. Who knows? Fortnight.
0: Start using fort year in your conversations, folks. I would really appreciate it.
1: Um, yeah, it does derive from the old English. Fjordn
0: great could you tell me some more old english
1: <laughs> nope there's so many letters in this word um and
0: some of them are not modern day english <laughs> letters i'm sure
1: well the only not modern day is the e with a line over it other than that it's fine um so, so anyway yeah, then
0: john opens the doors to the study and he walks in and we see christina like kind oh wait of do a double yeah. cake like she's kind of surprised but we're doing the like he's walking in and Jelly doesn't know he's there
1: And you get full Hepburn acting.
0: Oh, she's so good in this. You get
1: a wave of Catherine Hepburn acting directly at you with just her face.
0: She's so good in this.
1: (laughs) Oh, did we mention John forgot or didn't forget? John decided not to tell his parents that Joey was white on the phone call.
0: Right. John has a couple of not amazing ideas here for a very smart guy. Because he also has the idea when Spencer Tracy is coming back, he's like, what if we started off by just saying we're friends? And then later on, we tell him that we're getting married.
1: It's, yeah. And
0: it's funny, because then they kind of try that, and John finally has to be, okay, this was a bad idea, never mind. Yeah,
1: it's uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) Which reflects the fact that John is uncomfortable with this situation. He's very excited about Joey, but he also is conscious of all of the barriers that this relationship would face, including immediate ones in family relationships.
1: Right, including his own parents. Right, His parents do not like the idea at all. The
0: fact that he is reluctant to tell them shows that In some ways, the ways he is feeling about telling Joey's family also reflect the ways he's feeling about his own.
1: Yeah. I mean, it shows interracial marriage was frowned upon by almost everyone. Like the concept of marrying within your own race was drilled into people from such a young age across the spectrum. And for different reasons, there's different motivations behind it in different viewpoints. Like his parents aren't worried about it because they think they're freaked out about his prospects in life and any children they have
0: like, and they're what are, what are the challenges they're all gonna face
1: right looking at the challenges
0: and i mean it's worth noting when we're thinking about the rarity of this these are characters that met in hawaii and fell in love in 1967 six years earlier in yeah. hawaii barack obama is born i
1: did think about that the whole movie i was just like
0: this is the exact same time frame. this
1: is the same timeline as obama
0: which i thought of it at first when cindy platier was talking to the parents and They're asking, like, have you thought about what would happen with children? Me too. I I think about it constantly. Like, I'm really worried about the challenges they would face. And they go, has Joey thought about it? And he's like, Joey thinks they'll all be president. And I was like, you're in the right window for that to happen. I
1: know. That's exactly what I thought of it. I was just like, oh my god.
0: These are Obama's parents. They predicted it.
1: Oh, that doesn't say great things about the future of their relationship.
0: No, it doesn't. (laughs) 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 Now that you raise that issue. Yeah. Well, we'll bring that in when we get to the end of the episode.
1: Yeah. So... Now, what happens? Well,
0: Spencer Tracy comes home, and they have to now deal with all this. They're all going to have dinner together. And the kids say, all right. Kids, I mean, John's 37. But they say, John's headed off to Geneva. He's headed to New York tonight, Geneva tomorrow. I'm planning on following him, and then we're going to get married there. So we're here. We want to spend time with you, but, like, this is happening. So that's kind of the declaration that's laid down.
1: Yeah. I also wanted to bring up the fact of when Matt gets home. So Matt gets home, Tilly's freaked out, says something, like, is explaining something's wrong, uses the word doctor to describe John, so then Matt thinks something's wrong with health and runs in, but then when he figures out, like, oh, it's fine, it's just...
0: Just a doctor friend. He's just a doctor. Just a pal.
1: He's really polite to him and treats him as he would anyone else. And Asking see, about all his
0: work is really interested. And you see this like... There's almost an element of like he's excited to have this eminent black man in his home.
1: Right. And you see that where he's just like treating him as a friend. You know, there's nothing wrong. You see he does have this belief that he's not racist.
0: And I, I love how it's done where there is a kind of like... He is proving to himself how not racist he is. Yeah. You do kind of get that vibe. Yeah,
1: until you find out that, oh, he's engaged to my daughter, snap, everything changes.
0: And he is aware of that change, too, and is uncomfortable with it in himself. And I love the messiness of particularly Matt's feelings through this movie.
1: Yeah, Tracy does a great job showing his own, like, not his own, but Matt's own realization that he is a hypocrite and trying to and work through Ryan that. Does
0: a great job calling it up too. Yeah,
1: my, Spencer Tracy does it through his acting. Then they also wrote in a character that just says it to his face.
0: Which is fun.
1: It's really fun to watch.
0: All right, so this takes us to point number three. We've got a couple of different bits where John and Joey are alone with some combination of parents. So Joey spends a while with Katherine Hepburn, with Christina, just talking about how much she loves spending time with John, how awesome he is, how kind he is, and how excited she is about all this. Really, like, selling the, like, I am serious about this, super in love, super into this guy, and this is gonna happen. And over the course of it, Christina gets more and more on board, where she's like, you know what, like, you know, kids are gonna do it.
1: You can hear, like, she can hear how much Joey loves this man, how great this man is. Could you do better than getting your daughter married off to a rich doctor probably not probably not and
0: like a like not just like a rich doctor who's just like treating rich people but he's like doing awesome humanitarian work
1: right and so you can see her warming up. She's doing a really good job of slowly doing it too. It's right. not like you see Catherine Hepburn's character just be like, "I'm off board," "I'm on board."
0: Like you see, it's a gradual thing where, like, happening. There are different moments where you can feel her getting won over by the story of it all, but then she's not, and sure. then she like
1: pulls away. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's very well done. Meanwhile, the central conflict from the movie, I mean, beyond the like racial politics of it all, comes from the fact that John speaking alone to Christina and Matt. Tells them that he will not go through with the wedding unless they approve of it. Because he doesn't want to isolate Joey from her family. He's like, I'm aware of all of the challenges that we would face. It would be serious. It would be daunting. I cannot add another thing onto that.
1: Right. He can't bring himself to be the reason Joey stops having a good relationship with her parents. Because they have a really strong bond.
0: Right. But this raises the stakes... For Matt and Christina, hugely, because now not only do they have this, like, wedding situation and, like, this asking how they feel about it, they really just have until, like, 10 p.m. that night to make their decision. Which
1: really pisses Matt off.
0: He is not pleased with it. Because his attitude now at this point, it's enabled him to shift his discomfort into not being uncomfortable with the concept of the interracial relationship, but instead to being like, how could you possibly expect me to make a big decision in such a short amount of time?
1: Right, like adjust completely into this time, you know, six hours or however long they have.
0: Meanwhile, Joey is just constantly like not giving anybody a chance. She's just like, all right, this is it. We're all on the same page. We're going to keep cruising along. I love her relentlessness where she is constantly pushing everybody forward, but it never feels aggressive. She just like keeps moving the stakes without acknowledging that she's moving them.
1: Yeah, because she cannot conceive of the idea of her parents being against this. Right. She expects them to just be fully on board.
0: But it winds up being hilarious as she like is accidentally calling every bluff that they try to throw up.
1: Yeah, Oh, it's great.
0: Joey, it's worth noting, is played by Catherine Houghton in her first film role. She's the niece of Catherine Hepburn.
1: Right. And there is a family resemblance, because I remember watching this and being like,
0: huh. Yeah. She's also really good at it. She is. She's also got these great red pants that she she wore for like the first half of the movie. All of her outfits are All of her outfits are are great. But particularly, these red pants that she's wearing are just killer.
1: Yeah. I looked her up to see what other acting roles she has. Do you want to guess what her last film role was?
0: I looked it up too. I forget what it is. She's had a kind of a sporadic career. Like yeah. two or three things every decade. It is. She was in something like two years ago, right?
1: Um, She was on TV in two episodes of a show two years ago. Okay. But in 2010, she was she in one of the, Croods? the film The Last Airbender as Katara's grandma.
0: Oh, that is a movie I saw in theaters. You did? Yeah, it was my friend's favorite TV show. And the movie came out right around his birthday. And he was like, we're going to the movie at midnight. And I'm like... I've never seen the show, but sure. And I went, and it was dreadful. And I remember my mom picked me up. This is at the Regal Rockville. And my mom picked me up, and I got in the car, and she said, how was the movie? And I said, it was terrible. And she said, the next time I pick you up at 3 o'clock in the morning after a movie, tell me you liked it, and you can change your mind the next day. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Uh, I actually refused to pay my friend back for the tickets to that because I refused to have money go to it. The deal I made was, when uh, when Harry Potter comes out in November, I will, just out of the goodness of my heart as your friend, buy you a ticket to it, but it is not compensation for this movie.
1: Perfect. I mean, makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. No, it checks out. Yep. Anyway, Catherine Houghton, good in this movie. Last Airbender, not a good movie.
1: Solved. Figured it out.
0: Hooray! We did it. <laughs> we did We've it. We've answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> Show's over, folks. The investigative podcast is The Last Airbender. Good. <laughs>
1: I think that's been addressed by enough podcasts. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, this takes us to point number four then.
1: Great. Right.
0: So over the course of the day we see everyone wrestling with these issues. Monsignor Ryan comes to help Matt work through them. He's actually not invited originally. Matt says, hey, there's family stuff going on. I can't go golfing with you. And Monsignor Ryan is like, if there's something wrong with your family, like, I want to help. Right. So he shows up and he finds out, oh, there's not like a health concern or anything. Matt's just being
1: dumb. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Because he's fully on board. He recognizes John, like we said, from Commonweal. And is basically just like, you bagged a good one, Joey. Yeah. Good work. He's great. He's making a lot of jokes. He f- just tears Matt to shreds about his hypocrisy constantly. <laughs>
0: what was the thing I get about the poop? You
1: pontificating, pontificating old
0: poop. Ah, oh, so good. And so then Joey and John go out with some of Joey's friends so that they can meet John. They go to a bar. And it's
1: that's- I'm on their way to pick up John's parents from the airport because his parents are able to just decide last minute. Let's book a flight from LA to San Francisco.
0: Well, it's their only chance to meet the girl now.
1: I know. So day of, I was just wondering, it's just like how easy was flying back then? Well, it's pre nine eleven for starters. I know. I was just like, you have some, you could just get through the gate. You could buy a ticket day of without raising FBI flags.
0: Yeah. So they go to the bar with Joey's friends and they're having a great time. Again, we're going to see- Weird bar. It's a very weird bar. This singer has a terrible hairdo.
1: Yeah. And I couldn't tell if
0: it was supposed to be burlesque or Japan themed or maybe both. I think it was both. (laughs) It was very odd. This is cool because again, we get to see John and Joey together, especially Joey and how in him she is. Yes. And Joey's friends are like, why are you waiting a week to go over with him? Like, why not just go over with him now? And Joey's like, wait a minute. Why am I not going over with you now? So you get the sense that it was John's idea for her to wait. And she had just been like, yep, makes sense. And now she's like, wait a minute. No, I, I just want to be with you. Yep. Why, why put it off?
1: So again, someone just decides last minute, this time so to why? travel
0: internationally. Well, they're just flying to New York tonight. International will be the next day. <laughs> yeah, okay. Her friends are like, is your passport in order? And She's like, yep, no problems then. I can pack a bag.
1: Yeah, she sees nothing else wrong with this.
0: So they get back. They pick up John's parents. John's parents are bamboozled. to see Joey. Less than thrilled. Love the first shot we see of the four of them in the car together where Joey is driving and John's parents still look shell-shocked and Joey's just like having a great time.
1: Yeah. She's so oblivious to everyone.
0: Because she just has such complete faith in everyone to do the right thing.
1: Yeah. And when they get back, everyone is on edge. Oh, everyone is fully on edge. And you can tell it's like Matt and... John's dad are on the same
0: page. They're both like, this is a terrible
1: idea. And they kind of see each other then as allies right
0: away. Yeah. Meanwhile, Joey is inviting people like, oh, hey, you know, we're looking forward to y'all coming to Geneva for the wedding. (laughs) And somebody's like, oh, like the wedding's in Geneva. You're inviting us there. You're like just telling us all about it. And she goes, of course we're telling you about it. It's only when you're eloping that you keep it a secret. And I love the implied threat of that. Or like, Joey still doesn't know that John gave this ultimatum, that he wouldn't get married if they didn't give their approval. But I love the implied threat in like, bringing up the idea of eloping.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can't tell how calculating she really is. She's good. It's a really good performance because all of the things she says could be very casual, but also she could just be very calculating. I
0: think she is. I
1: think she is. I think she's written to be more calculating than you're led to believe.
0: Yeah, no, Joey's smart. She knows what she's doing.
1: Yeah, I really like her.
0: So there are a couple of different breakout groups that come from this, where the two moms go and talk for a bit, and they're both kind of like, yeah, we could be on board with this. And the two dads go and talk, and they're like, this is a terrible idea.
1: Yeah, they basically break up into teams to convince everyone, too. Like, John
0: works on his mom and gets her on board. Yeah, he tells his mom that, like, for years after his wife died, he didn't want to be with anybody. He just couldn't handle it. But- That for the last few days, it's like I'm alive again.
1: Right. He explains how happy he feels and that he is aware of all of these challenges. It's not like he doesn't believe this will happen.
0: And that's the thing. And that's the point in all this is that all of the objections that other people are raising are things they have thought about and they've decided that they're going to handle. And that becomes the key then in our fifth point. Yes. The fifth point is kind of just like the big two speeches. Yep.
1: Basically, the movie ends with
0: Sidney Poitier giving a dramatic monologue to his dad. Which is awesome. Which is great. and then- Poitier is so good in this movie. He just, like, is so fun, like we see in that opening montage, but he also has this coiled intensity that you could just feel, like, ready to blow out. Not in, like, an aggressive or, like, a dangerous way, just in, like, a passionate way.
1: Right. He's ready to make himself known.
0: It's fascinating watching him, like, when he's talking to his mom and when he's talking to his dad, where, like... He makes so many small choices in his movement, in the way he looks, and it's just such a masterclass, and like, this is a terrific actor, where he is making so many moves that are not on the page, but that feel so incredibly natural. The cast in this movie is insane. It's all-stars. Sidney Poitier, actually, even he, this guy I'm just raving about, was overwhelmed to be working with Tracy and Hepburn. To the point that in one of the scenes where it's just the three of them talking, he kept not being able to say his lines. So they had to send the two of them home. And he delivered his lines to an empty pair of chairs. (laughs) That's crazy. And that means he's doing those speeches, that dialogue, to empty chairs.
1: That's crazy. I can kind of understand where he's coming from though. Let's be real.
0: Oh, totally. And so he gives this big speech to his dad where he's basically like, I'm going to do this and you don't get to tell me not to do this.
1: Right. This is the scene where he gives the line, it's pretty famous, the, you see yourself as a colored man, I see myself as a man, which is their, like, kind of one of the theses of this movie. Exactly.
0: It's the argument that Monsignor Ryan would make over and over again. Right. The other big speech is... Spencer Tracy basically has a, like, end of a Sherlock Holmes story speech.
1: <laughs> it's the it's the living room reveal.
0: Right. It's like at the end of The Thin Man. Yeah. Where you just have to, like, all right, here's everything that's happened so far, and here's what it all meant. Yep. Basically. But he walks through, like, I don't need to list all the objections because they have thought of them all. And as much as it might seem upsetting, like, they are very clearly in love. And John at one point said to me that... As an older man, I may have forgotten what that felt like, but I haven't. And if what they feel is even half of what I felt for Chris, then this is good stuff. Tilly, where the heck is dinner? Yep. Love saves the day. And Tilly is like, dinner has been ready for hours. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, There's a point where Tilly interrupts and is like, are you guys ever going to (laughs) eat?
1: Yeah. But they all sit down to dinner and they're all laughing and credits roll.
0: Yeah. This movie rules.
1: This movie is great.
0: You know something funny about this movie? What? If you look at the Wikipedia page, at the very bottom of the page, where it says, see also, they have stuff like films of Stanley Kramer and stuff like that. But the only one that's not directly, like, somebody involved in the movie is Get Out.
1: A 2017 (laughs) horror film with a similar premise.
0: I know. That's deliberate, where we are led to believe that it's going to be a kind of deal. We have Bradley Whitford, who would have voted for Obama three times if he could. right? But... They're just also trying to steal black bodies to put their consciousnesses into them.
1: Yeah. The, it's definitely a commentary on this movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. A very good one.
0: Ugh. Both good movies. Yes. So after watching all this, do you find the romance between Joey and John believable? Okay. I have not talked about the fact that a reasonable person could object to this without it being about race.
1: Yes. So I do have an objection to this romance.
0: I think it's the same one as mine.
1: It's that they've known each other for 10 days. Good God! And yes, they spent a lot of time together in those 10 days. But again, even I think in 1967, knowing someone for 10 days is not enough to get married.
0: I think it wouldn't have been unheard of, but there are some, like, red flags in here.
1: I would understand if Joey wanted to move it, or, like, move to... I guess it would be hard because... That's the problem. Right, it's that's like the thing. He...
0: The internationalness of it all forces movement. Right. So
1: I guess, like, now that I say that, I'm like, oh, I kind of see where they're coming from, where marriage seems to be the only way that they could stay together, because you can't just move in with someone at this time, either. Right. So it kind of- ten, 10 days. Oh, my God. They even cut the trip short.
0: They could have finished they out the said... trip
1: in Hawaii well, and I think, at least I been together she, for three more- She cut days. her
0: trip short. Yeah. His wasn't, because he had to get to
1: GMO. Oh, that makes sense. Oh my Um, god.
0: So, as we think about this, we always rate every movie on a 10-point scale of romantic believability, from zero being totally unbelievable to 10 being 100% we believe all of it. Where does this fall? I
1: don't know, because they're so
0: clearly in love. They're so clearly in love, and they so clearly get each other. But the 10 days... I know. I mean...
1: It's a question of how much that brings it down. It's probably like a seven. Yeah. Yeah. I should
0: pull together all of the things we've given seven, to because it's a weird list. Well, it makes sense.
1: And Seven is the perfect number on a one to ten seven scale. Seven is the,
0: like, mostly believable, but there's some weird stuff happening here. Yeah. I think Greece was our first seven. Probably. All right. Uh, do you think Joey and John are dateable? Yes. Heck yes. Heck yes. They're both awesome.
1: They're both great.
0: If you had to pick one person in this movie to date, who would it be? monsignor ryan doesn't date i'm gonna just go with katherine
1: hepburn because if i have the chance to date (laughs) katherine hepburn i'm gonna go for katherine hepburn i
0: think i'm going joey i I, mean yes we've been on the page where i think she's really smart
1: dresses well got those great pants great pants i just thought of fun yeah i mean and then john just seems too impossibly perfect
0: yeah i would be a disaster whereas
1: yeah whereas joey is a real person and we've explained like I have no problem with his characterization. It's right, a choice, no, but he is great. not a real person.
0: Yeah. Do you think Joey and John will stay together?
1: It's hard to say. I think they will. I think they will. Yeah. Makes sense. They've
0: clearly no reason in a short period. Yeah. You wouldn't have gotten to this point without thinking a lot about it.
1: Right. So I believe it. Okay. Anything else, Will? No, I think that's it. I think we're. I think we did it.
0: All right. Well, looking towards next week, we're doing another franchise movie. First time in a little while, but. This is one from a franchise I have never delved into.
1: I don't know anything about it, to be fully honest. So
0: we're going to be watching Diary of a Mad Black Woman, the first of Tyler Perry's Medea movies.
1: I'm kind of excited.
0: I'm really excited. I don't know anything about it. Me We're going to bring my friend Josh back to talk to us a little bit about how the Medea movies work, their place in black culture, the history of these Tyler Perry movies. So it's going to be a really fun episode.
1: Yeah. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com.
0: Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps other people to find the show. Last question, Will. What's the best piece of dating advice we got from this movie? I'm going to say, stand very still near someone, and then move so they notice you. All I'm going to say is, 10 days, baby. 10 days! <laughs> Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. My! You've got
1: to give a little, take a little, and let your poor heart
0: break a little. That's the story of, that's the glory of love.